I want to begin a series of sermons on prayer uh, for this new year. I'm not sure how long I'll go with this uh, series, but I do want to call us to prayer as as a congregation and to deepen our prayer life as as individuals. We have a lot as a congregation to pray about and to think about. And of course, uh, in our individual lives, we we need to grow no matter where we're starting from, I think. All of us uh, need to grow in prayer. You never graduate from the school of prayer until you get to heaven. And uh, what inspired me to begin this series was a book that I read over the summer called A Praying Life, A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And um, I was so inspired by some of the things that he was saying that I thought I've, I've got to share some of this with the congregation. And so that's where where we're at today. And the point of uh, Paul Miller's book is that is that prayer is is the means of grace that God has given us. One of the means, the primary means, perhaps, that God has given us to grow in our relationship with him. And as we develop in our prayer life, we experience more of God, more of his peace, more of his love and hope. And then we begin to see God work in us and work in our relationships and work in the world around us. When we work, we work. The saying is, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. And God does call us to work and use our effort and energy and intellect and will. But he calls us to partner with him through prayer so that he can do something that is far beyond our ability. So prayer is the way that God has given us to connect with him and to empower us to fulfill his purposes. But I have to admit, and maybe you can sympathize with this, that uh, oftentimes prayer to me feels like exercise, something I, I, I know I need to do, but I don't always enjoy doing it. Um, I, I jog uh, a couple times, two or three times a week. I do it because I want to alleviate stress. I want to try to keep some weight off. And I do feel good after I do it, but not really while I'm doing it. I mean, some people talk about the runner's high. I've rarely experienced the runner's high. I, I run for 30 minutes at a time. I set my watch. I don't go I go right to 30 minutes. I don't go any a step beyond it. I'm done. <laughs> and then I get on with my day. And it really has not a lot of connection with my daily life. It's just something I do to get it over with, and then I can get on with my day. And sometimes prayer can feel that way. But then there are people for whom running is, is their life. I mean, it's something at the core of their identity. You remember the, the movie uh, Chariots of Fire? And the main character there, Eric Little, he says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. You know, God has made me to do this and I'm fully alive when I do that. And it was connected to the to the core of who he was. And that's how prayer ought to be in our life. Because God has made us to commune with him. God has made us to pray and to know him in an intimate way. So. Jesus teaches us to think of prayer in that way as a, as a relationship with our Heavenly Father. We are His children and He is our Heavenly Father. 
And when a disciple came to Jesus in Luke 11 and said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, Luke is very careful to note Jesus's prayer life. That Jesus oftentimes got up early in the morning and he withdrew from the crowds and he prayed at his baptism. Jesus was praying after his baptism. Jesus was fasting and praying. These disciples saw that they saw the power that was flowing from Jesus. They saw his his confidence in the heaven in, in his heavenly father. And they said, teach us how to pray like you, like you do. And of course, Jesus, we know Jesus taught them the Lord's prayer in response, which begins our it's not an individual thing. We're in a family, but it is an individual connection with God. But we are family, our father who are in heaven. We belong to the family of God. We're not praying to the force. We're praying to our Father. And then in our gospel reading, Jesus, Jesus is indignant with his disciples who are acting like uh, bodyguards or bouncers or something when people want to bring little children to him. Uh, the families are bringing little children to Jesus to, to bless their children. And of course, in those days, children were not idealized like they are idolized like they are today. And uh, so the disciples said, well, we don't want, Jesus doesn't need to handle little people and deal with little people who are insignificant. And Jesus is indignant. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to teach you something here again, disciples. This is how you get into the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God belongs to people who recognize that they are like children and God is their heavenly father. So what does it mean to come to God in prayer like a little child? That's what I want to talk about this morning. It's kind of a topical um, sermon this morning. What does it mean for us to come to God in prayer like a child? I'm not talking about childish, but childlike. In terms of our attitude, our heart. So lots of things that we could say about this, but I just want to talk about two primary things. And that is one thing it means to come to God in prayer like a child is to come just as you are. Right where you're at, spiritually speaking. Come to God messy if you're messy. But come to him right where you're at. That's how little children come to their parents. They come running to their parents with runny noses and food on their faces and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Lydia had been finger painting and her hands are filled with like red and blue paint. And she comes running at me full steam, wanting me to pick her up. And so I did one of those extend the hands and bring her to the sink kind of thing. But that's how the little children come to their parents, just as they are. They come to us in the middle of the night, afraid, barging right into the room. Daddy, I'm afraid I'm scared. And, and a good parent, a loving parent, of course, we don't always get this right, but we, we let them come to us. We don't say, OK, pull yourself together. Don't come to me with your fears and anxieties. But we say, oh, come on, let's talk about it because we care for them. And that's that's what God wants us to do. God is a good father who cares about us right where we're at. And that's how he wants us to come to him. You don't have to have the words perfectly formulated for God to hear your prayers. You don't have to work up a certain feeling of reverence or spirituality to get God's ear. Um, you can just tell God how you feel and begin to talk to him about that. That's what we see in the Psalms. You know, the Psalms is the prayer book 
their book of common prayer for the Old Testament and their hymn book. And this is what Jesus grew up praying. And in the Psalms, of course, what do we see, David? Just a full expression, a full range of emotions that he expresses to God in prayer. Sometimes it's God, where are you? I'm knocking and you're not answering. I'm calling out. I'm crying out. And, and you, it's like you're hidden, God. Where are you? My soul is cast down. In other words, he admits to God, I'm spiritually depressed right now. But he's engaging with God in, in that prayer. And we'll talk about that in the series, praying the Psalms. There's a structure to some of these Psalms of lament that can be very helpful for us. So sometimes David sings a, a song or says a, a prayer of lament. And then oftentimes, David, of course, will sing praise to God and he'll extol him and he'll thank God for what God has done and the answered prayers. But above all, David is honest with God and he doesn't put on a religious mask. And that's a model for us. That's a model for us. Sometimes I'll tell God in prayer, I don't really feel like praying today, God. The desire is not there. Would you give me the desire? Would you change my heart? Would you point out some things in my life that are that are drawing me away from you? I, I think the love of the world is starting to, to sound. The world is starting to look a little bit more attractive than your word and your presence. God, help me here. This is where I'm at. And he, he answers that prayer in his own time, in his own way. So come to God just as you are. Come messy if you're messy. If you are struggling with a sense of guilt and shame, don't let that hinder. If you if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're a child of God and Jesus has provided access to the father. You have as much access to God, the father, as a born again Christian who believes in Jesus Christ and knows Jesus Christ. You have as much access to God as any bishop or priest or saint. Because it's not based on our spiritual maturity. It's based on what Christ has done for us. It's based on the sacrifice of Christ. This is what the writer of Hebrews tries to get across when he says in Hebrews chapter 10. Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, that is the dwelling place of God, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened up for us through the curtain, that is his flesh, let us draw near. We have the confidence because we come not in our righteousness, but in the work of or through the work of Jesus Christ. Let us draw near because we have this confidence with the true heart and full assurance of faith. So come just as you are and know that the father is welcoming you. And he wants to hear from you. Bill Hybels, who is the uh, pastor, I guess still is the pastor of Willow Creek Church, wrote a book on prayer, and he talks about growing up. His father was a businessman, an international businessman, a lot of travel, a lot of deals, a busy guy. But uh, this was before the days of cell phones. And Bill Hybels said, my dad gave his family the private line. Uh, the, just one line was set aside to his for his kids. And no matter what he was involved in, if they called that number... He would stop and he'd answer the phone. Hi, son. What's going on? He had access to the father. The father cared about him. And he said, just come call whenever. That's how God is with us. Come right where you're at spiritually and be honest. He's provided access that way. 
He's provided access for us. So come as you are and then ask God whatever is on your heart and mind. That's that's another way that we can pray in a childlike way in terms of trusting that our Father cares about what's going on in our life, the details of our life, what's on our what's on our mind. Again, I can draw on my experience as a father. That's why I have so many kids. <laughs> But, you know, if, if in the Wagner household, if we utter the, the word ice cream, we're going to start hearing requests for ice cream. I mean, it's just going to happen. You know, the little ones are going to start. I want ice cream, Daddy. Ice cream. We have ice cream. Can we have, you know, whatever it is, the, the uh, dopamine receptors start sparking and they're going to ask it. It's just it's just going to happen. Whatever's on their mind, especially the little ones, they believe that we can make it happen for them. We want to make it happen for them. And then, of course, we try to teach them what's good for them. But they ask whatever's on their heart and whatever's on their mind. And Jesus tells his disciples again in in Luke 8, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open for you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And so that's what we're called to do. One of the problems in prayer, I think we can all relate to this, is that as we start to pray, our minds start to wander. Often all sorts of directions about what we've got to do, what we need to do for the day. You know, and then we start thinking, well, I just need to get on with my day because I've got so much to do. But I, I found that I just start praying to God about some of those things that, that I'm worried about, that I'm concerned about. And a lot of times I structure my prayer. Part of what I will do is I'll use the Lord's Prayer as an outline. And we'll talk about that as we go in this series. And I know many of you pray that way. And we, as Anglicans, we, we use a structured uh, format. It's a good tool to use. But, um, you know, sometimes my prayer life will look like this. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, I've got to get the kids to school in 30 minutes. <laughs> Um, and then I've got to respond to that email that a parishioner sent. And if I don't respond to that email, that person might get upset with me. And then I've got the doctor visit on Thursday. Okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But what I found is then I can just begin praying with God about those things that are on my heart that I'm anxious about. When I'm in the car with the kids this morning, Heavenly Father, let something of your kingdom come and your will be done in the way I interact with them. I'm very busy today, God. In the middle of my busyness, give me confidence and peace. God, I'm concerned that that parishioner might be upset with me. Am I trying to people please here? What's going on with my heart? I'm so anxious about this. God, I have I don't know what's going to, what the doctor's going to say. Give me peace. Give my wife peace about this. Our Father who art in heaven. Ah. You're a father who has all authority and power. I can be confident as I proceed throughout the day that you're going to be with me. See, that kind of praying connects the prayer with our real life. We don't get on with it, but it, it, it carries us through our, our life. And so we're not just saying a prayer, but we're praying our life to God and giving that to Him. And then we begin to see God work. Now, I know that there are some people who will say at this point, and, and uh, I, I empathize with this um, sentiment, is that I've prayed 
you know, God says, Jesus says, ask, seek and knock and it will be given to you. The door will be open. You'll find what you're looking for. And, and I've prayed prayers that haven't been answered. You know, I've, I've prayed for healing and I'm still sick. I've prayed for this rebellious child and they're still wayward. I've prayed for some financial relief. I'm still struggling. What do we do with that? And of course, there's a mystery about unanswered prayer. Um, but I, I, I came across a saying, and this is going to be a little too simplistic. I hope you don't think it's too simplistic or trite, because I do want to acknowledge the mystery of unanswered prayer. But here's a little saying that I think resonates with some scripture. With, with I, I, I think it's, it rings true to what a lot of scripture says about prayer. And here's the saying. If the request is wrong, God says no. James says this in James 4, verse 3. You don't have because you don't ask. Okay, that's one problem. We don't ask our Father. But then he goes on and he says, and James is a hard-hitting uh, pastor. He's not a seeker-sensitive kind of pastor. He says, first of all, the problem is you're not even asking God in prayer. But then when you do ask, you're asking for the wrong motives. You don't receive because you have the wrong motives. You want to satisfy your sinful, selfish desires. So that's a wrong motive. So if the if the... Request is wrong if it's coming from a sinful, selfish place, then God will say no. And then he'll start to work on you. To align your heart to his will. So if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. You hear that? Request is wrong. God says no. Timing's wrong. God says slow. If there's something in you that needs to change. God says, I want you to grow in this circumstance. But then if the timing is right, you are right, and the rest is right, God says, go. I think it's helpful. You know, again, maybe a little too simplistic, but there's some truth there. We can look at the scriptures and talk about that and see that in different instances in the Bible where God has said, slow down, or God says, yes, the timing's right. And I think we could apply that even to the choice that's facing us as a congregation, what we're wrestling with, with property issues. God, what's your will? Is it yes, go? Or is it slow? Or is it grow? Or is it go? Oh. That's what we're seeking. We're seeking to hear from God in this decision. And we need to hear from Him. And we need to come to Him, asking whatever's on our hearts and on our minds. What? Would you ask God for today? If there was one thing in your life that God said, you know what, I will do this for you if you will just ask me and get me involved in this, what would be that one thing in your life? Would it be reconciliation of a relationship? Would it be healing? Would it be a release from financial burden? Would it be that a friend comes to Christ? How about bringing that to the Lord in prayer? each and every day in 2016 and see what God is going to do with that. Don't give up. God delights in giving his children good gifts. And so that's what I'm calling us to as a congregation, to this childlike prayer where prayer is integrated with our daily life and our relationships. And we begin to ask God to do that work. Now, the great, the great benefit of prayer is not just that we see answered prayers and that will happen and that does happen. And as a church, we have seen some answered prayers. And part of this prayer series, what I want to hear is testimonies from people. I want people to stand up right here and share testimonies of how God has answered prayer in their life last year or 
you know, a, a testimony of God's faithfulness in answering prayer. I want to hear those testimonies. So be thinking about that. I'm not going to call on anybody on the spot, but if you if you would like to be part of that, then then please let me know. So one of the benefits is answered prayer, but the greatest benefit is just a sense of a, a deepened relationship with the Heavenly Father. And the peace and the joy and the hope that comes from spending time in God's presence and growing in that. You know, when Josie and I are in a busy season, a lot of times we can uh, get stuck in this pattern where we're like ships passing in the night. I'm running off to one place and she's running off to another place. And and we can call and we can text and try to have snatches of, of communication. But that's not the same as actually down and spending time if we don't sit down and spend time we'll start to drift apart and it makes the relationship harder and everything else more difficult in our household so that's when we begin to feel ourselves drifting apart we have to say okay wait a second we're putting the kids bed to bed early we're going to lock the bar the door just keep them in the in the bedroom we're going to threaten them if they get out and we're going to put down the cell phone and we're going to turn off the TV and we're just going to you know, have some coffee and we're going to talk and we're going to reconnect. And it's just going to be a free-flowing conversation and that rebuilds the intimacy. And we need to do that and some of us need to do that in our relationship with God. It's great to talk to God on the go, but to have a deep relationship with God, you've got to make the time. Father Charles talked about that last week. Make the time. Set it some time aside. To reconnect with your father. If you haven't been doing that, start small. Start maybe just five, ten minutes of day and ask God what's ever on your heart and mind. For those of us, I know many of us are, are people who try to pray and there are many prayer warriors in our congregation. I'm so grateful for that. But I, in this series, I want to encourage you to keep at it. Keep persistent. Because there's a lot of things in our culture that would um, drag us away from prayer. It takes time, and a lot of us feel like we don't have time. We're busy. It takes energy, and a lot of us are tired. It takes concentration, and there are hundreds of ways for us to be distracted. It takes faith, and we live in a culture that says, you know what, prayer is just a, a game. It, it's a myth that if you think God is going to answer your prayer... There isn't even a God, and if there is, he's too busy running the universe. We have cynicism and unbelief that threaten us. And I pray and I hope that during this prayer service, or this prayer series, that I'll encourage you, encourage myself, to deepen our prayer life and encourage us to persist. This is how we connect with God, and through that, we see his power and his peace and his hope and his love filling our lives and our congregation. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to grow in prayer in 2016. I, I pray for people who've never maybe developed a prayer life, who've never set time aside in their daily life to connect with you in prayer, that this would be the year that, that they do this. And they, they sense you calling them to this. And they, they sense your fatherly love reaching out to them. And saying, let me get involved in some of the things that are burdening you. Burdening you and making you weary. And I will give you rest if you come to me. 
I pray for, for those of us who are kind of stumbling along in our prayer life. And um, it feels more like a duty. God, that you would give us the grace to, to begin again and to reconnect with you on a deeper level. Give us a spirit of prayer as a congregation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.